Welcome, 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 everybody, to another roundup with your own Ricky. This is episode 38. We're going to jump right in because we have so many incredible things to share. We're going to start off with our project updates. And most of the updates that we have today are related to TCFX because, as you might know, our latest focus has been on making sure that TCFX gets the visibility that it deserves, the focus on just building out the business at this point. Um, so this is the non-sexy part of things, but I know you guys have come to enjoy it as much as I have. On this whole journey of how does a business gets, get created in the Web3 space in one of the most regulatory, uh, rigid uh, ecosystems and, and countries. Switzerland has one of the best frameworks. So um, you guys have the ins and outs. You guys know what goes into this. I have shared everything from day one, from what it takes to what we've done, how we've saved money and how we've gone through and done our due diligence on everything. So I want to start off with talking about KOB, Kind of Blue, which is Michelle Konizinski's company that was extremely keen on uh, raising funds using our platform. I did share last week that uh, we might have to do a proof of uh, concept, not proof of concept, but collaborate with them on a much smaller scale by being their tech provider for now because we are still waiting on the company creation. And there's a lot of legalities that go into onboarding the first client. We are so grateful that the platform isn't even, well, the platform's ready, but regulatory-wise, we can't onboard clients yet. Uh, but we're still able to work with KOB and things are moving fast is what I've heard from Alex Antonio last night. So when they say stuff like that, I get super excited. So um, with the capacity that we can collaborate with uh, KOB, I am super hyped. Um, this will be a wonderful first uh, opportunity for showing off what TCFX can do and how incredible our platform is. Um, the next one is also pretty incredible. Uh, Alex Antonio are going to New Chateau tomorrow um, to a garden party at Leaks's headquarters. So if you if you remember Leaks, L-E-A-X, they are our main legal partners, and they are extremely extremely valuable in this industry. And what I was told by them is that. Leaks only invited their biggest clients uh, to this garden party, and they made one exception. They invited TCFX, Alex Antonio, to this garden party. And the only reason that <laughs> we can think about they made this exception is that they know somewhere, they know um, that we might be one of their biggest clients in the future. So... Um, when you see big companies like this showing their vote of confidence in what we're building and what TCFX is and what its potential is, sky is the limit. So I'm super excited about the networking that these guys get to do and the visibility they get. Like being in the room with the big guys, like uh, these these clients are probably spending millions with these companies. And, and you know how much we have tried to save our money with leaks. 
Um, so it's it's incredible that they see that where we are and how well we're running the company. Like they know that we will be one of the biggest in the future. So very excited for this garden party. Um, and the last piece of news, which is the biggest one yet, I I'm so excited to let you know that the town hall that Alex Antonio have been hinting at and have been waiting for certain things to fall 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 in place. Um, the announcement for the town hall is going to be coming this Friday. So whatever you're doing this Friday, stay on your Discord. Keep an eye out because all the incredible news that we've been waiting for is coming this Friday. You might ask me, like what are what is that incredible news? But it's not worth sharing if you, I tell you right now. Gotta create some suspense and interest. Um, I know the community has been a little restless with things moving slow from the government side of things, and we understand. We've been doing everything on our end, uh, and we've been very proactive. So the turnaround time for things that we've been working on. If you compare it to any other Web3 company trying to register in Switzerland, like if you compare, we are way beyond anybody else. So um, don't want to give too much away. You have to wait till Friday for that, for Alex Antonio to announce that directly to you. Um, and then in the town hall, they'll have everything that needs to be shared. So the progress, uh, what they're excited about, all of that is going to be coming in the town hall which will be sometime next week. So watch out for Friday's announcement on that. Um, with that, I want to move over to our market updates. So I want to start off with Operation Chokepoint 2.0. I did not talk about Operation Chokepoint 2.0 last week because nothing really happened from the government agency side or from regulator side um, to kind of stifle innovation. But again... Gary Gensler is back at being what he is, uh, a puppet of traditional finance, and he's not even scared of showing it anymore, which is which is kind of nice because when you're when you're at a fight, when you're in on a battleground with your enemy and your enemy shows their hands, it's kind of an advantage for you because you know what their intentions are, what they plan on doing. So what happened in the past few days? Um Something good that happened before I share about Operation Chokepoint, I want to share about the progress that Congress has made on one of the best comprehensive bills that I've seen till date about crypto. And this is a 192-page crypto bill, and it's in its draft stage, and it's been drafted by um, the collaboration between the House Financial Committee and the Agriculture Committee. As I've shared in the past, they have had hearings together they have collaborated together. So it's good to see two committees that never worked together come together to form this comprehensive crypto bill. Some of the highlights of this bill are this bill talks about what SEC has control over and what CFTC has control over, how projects that start off as securities can turn into a decentralized project and move over to not being a security um, and safely register without having to worry about getting sued and have a certain time period to get decentralized. What defines decentralization in a project? How can they be decentralized? How do we know? 
other important things in the industry classification of stable coins, I think, is in there as well. Um, there's a lot of great highlights in that in that bill. So it's not perfect. There's still things to be done. That's why it's in the draft stage. So I'm thinking in the next few months, they'll get some feedback from the industry. And um, there was a hearing about this bill as well, where Coinbase's chief legal officer, Paul Graywall, was also invited alongside CFTC to provide their inputs. And the timing of what I'm going to talk about in choke point 2.0 is in incredibly interesting. Like this is no coincidence. So the day, so yesterday was the day when uh, this, the chief legal officer of Coinbase was supposed to come in front of Congress and talk about this bill and give his inputs because you need industry to weigh in on this bill. Um, Gary Gensler dropped a lawsuit on Coinbase right after a couple days after dropping a lawsuit on Binance. And we know that Binance and Coinbase are the two biggest exchanges in this industry. And does that mean that Binance and uh, Coinbase are in the wrong? No, it only means that SEC is alleging bunch of stuff. Coinbase actually got away with just having a few uh, things go against them. Binance, on the other hand, has about 13 different allegations that SEC is making. Uh, some of the biggest ones is they were commingling user funds just like FTX. Uh, they also used one of the quotes and whoever who knows that quote is real or not because Binance is denying that quote. Uh, the previous legal compliance officer or something, chief compliance officer, he texted CZ in a private chat saying, or a team group chat, that they are operating an unregistered security uh, exchange. So who knows? Um, I am not sure why uh, they brought up that quote if it's not even like it's contested that it's even real. Um, SEC is trying its best to make highlights. Uh, with that being shared, um, I don't know why people are so worried. I understand that they also named a lot of blue chip cryptos as securities. And this is, again, a shady way of doing legislation. Instead of suing individual blockchain companies behind those tokens, they, they sued exchanges and claimed that the tokens that they listed and listed a few tokens, I think Cosmos is on there. Uh, we have Binance token. We have, uh, I think, Cardano's up there, Solana's up there, Matic token from Polygon, all these major tokens. There could be many reasons why Gary Gensler is doing all this. And one of the reasons was made pretty clear uh, yesterday, actually, is right after he dropped the lawsuit, he went to CNBC and claim that we do not need cryptocurrencies in the US. He clearly came out and said that. And he said, we have the dollar, we have the digital yen, we have the digital euro, we don't need any cryptocurrencies. The problem with that statement is, Gary Gensler is leading a regulatory body. SEC's job is to ensure that people are following the rules and if people are not, to help hold them accountable. He is not a politician. 
his views do not matter. If he thinks U.S. doesn't need crypto, that should not affect his job. So he's actually trying to power grab everything in crypto to shut it down. I don't know for what reason. One reason is clear. Either the government is telling him that crypto current administration in the U.S. is telling him that crypto is a threat to the U.S. dollar. So shut it down. But he's only attacking specific cryptos. He's not attacking Bitcoin. He's not attacking Ethereum. He never even mentioned XRP on the lawsuit. So there's clearly biases here. So either there's that digital dollar thing, which the U.S. government wants to push, or also in combination, the traditional banks have certain cryptos that they have a huge stake in. I know... JP Morgan was a huge backer of Consensus, which was uh, one of the main developing companies on Ethereum. So I can see why Go Gary Gensler would want to support them because he worked in banks most of his life. He was in Goldman Sachs for like 30 years. So uh, traditional finances, it's his like main bread and butter is where he made most of his money. So anyway... Operation Choke Point 2.0 at its best going on. But the beauty of what's happened is when the Binance lawsuit dropped, the price of, again, this is the only time I'm going to talk about price because it's interesting what happened. Bitcoin price dropped from like 28000 to like 25000 And literally the next day when he came on to CNBC, the moment he came on to see CNBC after the Coinbase lawsuit, people were hoping that after the Coinbase lawsuit, the price of Bitcoin would drop even further down to like 20,000. But the price made a V-shaped recovery. It went right freaking back to 28,000. And that was such a big middle finger to Gary Gensler that no one cares about him anymore. And which is nice because when you start seeing through the bullshit of the regulators and you notice that they don't have the best interest of the public that they swore to protect, the market starts to see that. And this lawsuit, they imagine two biggest loss, two biggest exchanges getting sued on two same, on almost the same days, like literally a day after that should have dropped the market like a rock, but nothing really happened. So that must tell you, that the market is ready. The market is resilient. We don't care what central exchanges go through or what the regulators are going through. We know what we hold. We know what this technology stands for. It's exactly what the tyranny uh, we're going through is to stand against that. Um, another interesting timeline of why I think this is uh, this lawsuit was rushed they don't have the manpower. They have like 20 people that in the, in the enforcement department, 20 lawyers. And within those 20 lawyers, they're right now litigating XRP through Ripple. Now they have this lawsuit with Binance. Then they have Coinbase. I don't think they have enough people. So somewhere Gary Gensler knows that this Ripple lawsuit is about to end and he's probably going to have a very embarrassing loss so he's trying to distract everybody with these lawsuits. So keep an eye out. I have a feeling that this lawsuit might be coming to an end. Uh, the Bill Hinman, who was the director of enforcement, his emails are supposed to be uh, shown to the public on the 13th of June. 
Um, so that's again, one thing that happened, um, is if you go to the SEC's website and you go to Bill Hinman's, uh, profile, his entire bio that existed literally a week ago is now scrubbed. Like his bio has gone and someone confirmed it on Twitter by going to the Wayback machine, which is a website that you can use to check what a website looked like in the past. And his entire bio has been removed. So SEC is clearly preparing for the emails to come out and for the conflicts of interest and the corruption that's going on in there to be exposed. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. I'm loving that the industry is giving the fight back to the SEC because clearly it's obvious that there's nobody getting protected by the SEC except the traditional finance and the incumbents. So um that is kind of the high level of the drama that's going that's been going on this week nothing to worry about um the most that'll happen in my opinion is all of these cryptos or it's the good thing that has happened before i share the worst situation is all with gary Gensler attacking literally everybody in the industry everybody's now coming together to support each other i know crypto can be very um isolating and people can turn against each other people are very uh tribalistic so this has helped crypto become one against a common enemy so that's kind of nice so with this lawsuits the worst i'm thinking is going to happen is there's going to be a slap on the wrist uh some millions of dollars of uh, fines to these exchanges and that's pretty much it and then they can um the only worry that i have is SECs asked courts to uh, seize all of Binance US's assets until the lawsuit is complete. So um, if that happens, then that might cause a little bit of a crash. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, I hope the court sees through SEC's bullshit and doesn't allow that to happen until the case is complete. Um, because it used to be uh, innocent until proven guilty. But right now, I guess whatever SEC says, people just trust. But that's falling apart pretty soon as well, because Democrats as well are starting to see through Gary Gensler's agenda. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited for the future. Um, I'm looking forward to the Bill Hinman emails to come out and the Ripple lawsuit to be done so that it can set precedents for other companies to protect themselves against the tyranny of the SEC. Okay, with all that news, a lot of drama, uh, we're going to move on to the building news. So with this drama going on, the industry is not stopping. The building is continuing to happen. Uh, we're going to start off with a layer two solution called Optimism. I hope you've heard about it. I have used it personally. I really like Optimism. Um, they have successfully completed their Bedrock hard fork upgrade. So what's a hard fork? Um, just like there's a software upgrade, you upgrade your computer, you upgrade your Windows or Mac software. It's the same thing in blockchains. Upgrades are called hard forks. Um, so Bedrock hard fork has successfully completed on Optimism, which is a layer two solution on Ethereum to make transactions faster, cheaper, more secure. Um, this upgrade allows for multiple things. So number one, it allows for layer one fees. Um, so when you transfer from layer one to layer two, the fees is going to be reduced. Another thing that is going to happen is the deposit time of your 
tokens from layer one Ethereum to Optimism layer two, the time is going to be reduced. So uh, it's going to be faster for you to move your money to layer twos and use layer twos because the future of Ethereum is on layer twos. Um, if you have not used them yet, try to use them. Try to bridge some of your ETH. Like if you have 20, if the gas is low, again, don't don't spend money on gas. Uh, try to use it because if you don't use it, you don't get to see the value swaps or uh, swapping your tokens on layer twos can be anywhere between like 20 cents to like 80 cents if you're lucky. It's pretty cheap. It's it's really cool. Uh, something that cost you 30 bucks on the main chain is going to cost you like a dollar on the layer two solution. So the other thing was there was a few there were a few security upgrades that happened as well. Um, next up. A uh, DeFi lending platform called DeFactor Labs is, um, again, jumping into tokenization. I'm telling you, tokenization is going to be so big. People are already doing proof of concepts on it. Um, DeFactor Labs has successfully tokenized $100 million worth of European bonds on Polygon, and they're using the ERC3643 standard of token for doing that. And... As you already know, BlackRock has mentioned that tokenization will be huge. And with our company being set up in Switzerland, like we, we're in the prime state for this industry to be ripe. It's still pretty new. Tokenization is still a proof of concept situation. Uh, most people are just running tests right now. Um, they're going live with stuff. But again, it's not that this use case is not that widespread right now. But I think in the next two to three years, it's going to be uh, the next major catalyst for a bull run, I assume. So um, next up, we have news coming in from El Salvador. Uh, Tether, the company behind the Tether USDT, which is one of the biggest, I think the biggest stable coins in the crypto industry. Um, they have invested in the round three of investment in a $1 billion renewable energy project um, which is going to be harnessing the power of wind and solar uh, to run bitcoin mining and generate revenue so el salvador has received uh funding from tether as well they're right on track right now to be able to uh, meet their projections and get the building going um, the more renewable energy uh, Bitcoin uses the better it is because that's the only, I guess, talking point that a lot of anti-crypto people like Elizabeth Warren and a bunch of other people uh, they have against Bitcoin. Um, even though Bitcoin overall uh, doesn't even use one percent of the world's electricity um, or doesn't even pollute that much, it's I think total Bitcoin. Uh, I think 55% of Bitcoin mining is happening right now uh, using renewable sources of energy. So, uh, again, this will be another good thing to add to the list of good things happening for Bitcoin. So, yeah, pretty excited for El Salvador doing its thing, um, going all in on Bitcoin as always. Uh, next one, again, this is a Bitcoin upgrade. Um this news is coming from the ordinal side of things. So Bitcoin ordinals have received an upgrade and this upgrade is going to allow for um, some of the older inscriptions on Bitcoin's blockchain 
about 70,000 of older inscriptions were kind of rendered unreadable uh, because of some bug or how ordinals were done initially. So these were like zombie or orphan ones that nobody could read or use, uh, and they're co called the cursed inscriptions. So this upgrade has indexed those 70,000 inscriptions, and this will allow those 70,000 inscriptions, which were unreachable before, to be able to be traded at this point. So pretty exciting stuff for ordinals. I know ordinals has been having a boom and a ton of adoption has come to Bitcoin. A ton of network fees has been generated because of ordinals. Um, there's, again, two schools of thought. Some purists, Bitcoin purists from the early times, they're like, the only job of Bitcoin needs to be a store of value and to transact. So we don't need any of this uh, smart contract crap on Bitcoin. Um, some are pretty excited for this. Like I know Michael Saylor has been very vocal and he's like a figurehead for Bitcoin. Um, pretty exciting stuff. Like he's excited about ordinals and what kind of adoption and uh, use cases it's going to open up for Bitcoin's main chain. And even side chains or uh, layer twos like Lightning. So uh, we'll see. Uh, pretty excited that they were able to take care of those 70,000 uh, cursed inscriptions. Um, next up, and to close things out, I had a, had a major Web2 adoption news. Louis Vuitton, which is a luxury brand that pretty much everybody knows about, they are embracing Web3. So what they're doing is they're launching... Their iconic trunk, a travel trunk, as a digital collectible. Um, and what it allows you is it is claimable for a one-for-one -one physical trunk. It's a limited edition. And it will also allow you to use that trunk in uh, the metaverse. And they're also planning on their roadmap to have their own metaverse store. So you could be shopping Louis Vuitton stuff in the metaverse. Um, so metaverse is something that I haven't talked about much lately because of, uh, I think there was a mismatch between the expectations that people had and what the metaverse offered uh, a couple years ago. So, um, I think with the new Apple tech that's coming out, um, again, it's too expensive in my opinion, but it's the first phase. So who knows what the price point will be in the future, but, um, Metaverse is going to be very important in the future, but we still need to make a ton of progress on the technical side and the experience side of things with the Metaverse to make it something that people would want to use and to have the right incentives for people to spend time in the Metaverse. So right now we don't have either. Um, so it's understandable that it's a dead space right now. And one of the tokens that got sued by the ICC was the Decentraland Mana token. So um, it's definitely understandable why that space seems to be dead right now. But I think a lot of work is still being done to build out the metaverse and build out experiences in Web3 with the metaverse. So it's going to be something that will come back, I think, once we have a good fit in the market and we have the right tech. Uh, we have built enough. So pretty excited for Louis Vuitton. I hope they don't do what some of the other companies have done is use this as a cash grab and not engage with the community and learn from other people's mistakes and do it right. So appreciate each and every one of you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your evening. 
Uh, love you all, and please take care, and I will see you next week. <laughs>